Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Luke Morant, National Marketing Manager for Jaguar Land Rover New Zealand. Luke currently leads the marketing activity for all brands across Jaguar Land Rover, which includes some absolutely iconic established models like the Defender and the Discovery, as well as recent newcomer, the Jaguar F-Pace. Luke's career reads like a who's who of great Kiwi marketing brands, including Samsung, Spark and Cordia. One of the interesting things about Luke is that while he's always been focused on effectiveness and generating commercial results, the campaigns he's led have also won many creative awards. Here to tell us just how that works and what some of his secrets have been is the man himself. Welcome, Luke. Thank you very much, Ben. Thanks for having me. So, so, so talk me through how you start off at um, Cordia, you go to a telco, then you go to Samsung, then you then you end up in, in automotive. So what's the what's the link? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, I've just been interested in going places that are, that are fun, where interesting things are happening, right? So yeah. I think the telco ones, um, and this will show my age a little bit, but the telco one's pretty self-explanatory. You know, when I was in telco, it was sort of the introduction of Vodafone as a major competitor mm. to, to a monopoly who had a, who had a yeah, huge yeah, run yeah. for a long time. But it was yeah. also the advent of broadband. So we had a lot going on, and so it was really exciting. When you said to someone you worked, worked in um, you worked in Telco or, or you worked for Telecom Spark at the time, um, they were saying, wow, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. And that's, yeah, that's really yeah. what, what took me there. Mm. Um, mm. So it's, it's always been chasing those um, far more interesting um, opportunities and you know, from there, it was it was straight on to to Cordia, and Cordia. I was trying to take on take on telecom, so I went from telecom, I guess, to, to Cordia to wow. take ourselves on in a business context. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I got approached by a guy, uh, a really good, smart guy, Drew Gilpin, who said, "Hey, we're going to take on we're going to take on telecom for fixed line um, tech tech services as a broad category. This awesome. would be really great." And I thought to myself, "There's no way this is going to work." So <laughs> I, I said, "Sign me up." And I was right for the first twelve months, but um, <laughs> and we came right, and and we had a really good run there, and and obviously from there. From there, Samsung and Samsung made a lot of sense too. You know, Apple were not just a huge player, but just a loved brand, and, and Samsung mm. were taking them on and yeah. spending four years. A bit of an adventure at Samsung, as you can imagine. You know, going launching launching services in the, in the Pacific and yeah, yeah, going yeah. around Fiji and, and Papua New Guinea of all places and trying to sell services to Brilliant. all number of people. So yeah, it was really just chasing chasing what's really been really interesting. And obviously, with with now the the dawn of the EV um, and yeah. the automotive space, it kind of makes sense to to now to now be there as sort of the most interesting, I guess interesting market or interesting industry at the time. So you like a bit of a challenge? Yeah, just yeah, challenge, but it has to be fun too, right? Like it has to be something you're going to look at and go, this is this is a good adventure, a good a good fun place to be, a lot of energy, a lot of pressure, and 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 just trying to soak all that up and and turn them into really good results. So so. Lots of our listeners um, own businesses and employ marketers, so I'm actually keen to talk about how they should position their role for marketers because it's interesting to hear you saying those things. You know, those things are fun and there's challenge and they're, and, they're, and they're hard. So, what are the best things that people can think about when appealing to marketers? I mean, when you try, I guess you're trying to hire a marketer, it's about really just um, probably defining what it is that you want those people to do. You know, it's different different strokes for for different um, organisations and and making sure that marketing role that you're hiring for those. Um, those purposes are quite laid out and quite specific. Yeah, I think it's quite important. You know, one of the one of the big things 
during, I guess, my career and, and my time in different roles where I've been more successful is when it's been really clearly defined what marketing's job is. Mm. You know, it's not always that clear. Yeah. Um, and, and nailing it out, really understanding what you are employing marketing to do, what it's responsible for, and putting it in place accordingly. You know, and I think the advice for marketers is not not every environment's going to lay that out perfectly for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's sort of up to you to to make sure that you're defining or or seeking to define with alongside the organisation and alongside the people you're reporting to um, and your stakeholders as a, as a broader group exactly what marketing's there to do. I think um, in my time, particularly at Telecom, I was lucky enough to work with a guy called called Malcolm Phillips who went on to be the, the CMO at um, Two Degrees and, and at the time we were working together quite closely and he was always really, really good at nailing what is it that this role or this project or this task mm. or this campaign is set out to actually achieve. And, and because he was always very, very clear with that, and it's something I took away, because he was always very, very clear with that, it became became really useful to go to be able to reflect back and go, well, we're on this course, we went down this path purely because this is really the job we employed it for and we were really, really specific about about the requirements from marketing. So I guess going back to, you know, why are we hiring marketers? You know, being really, really clear, this is the marketing role we want to do, this is we want to take the the business and therefore this is the job or the role that marketing has to play in that journey for the business. Because there's, there's often not that clarity, is there? I mean, because I think because marketing, everyone's a consumer of marketing, everyone's got a different view of what marketing should or could do. So I think yeah. you're right, it's important to create that clarity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely is. Cause you, you, can, you can get lost, you know, looking at marketing as a bit of a silver bullet for, for a... Um, for a, for a problem um, mm. that the business has, but you know, marketing is a support function to help solve a business problem alongside other parts of your organisation. So, clearly defining what exactly the role in that in that problem solution is is is, is critical. So, so let's let's talk about um, a time from your career from any of those brands where, you know, you've had that absolute clarity and and you've and you've succeeded in meeting those objectives. What's an example? Yeah, I think um, I think whenever we go into to marketing campaign work, I think it's. Um, it's really important to grab, get that alignment together, you know. Um, when you're building your, your campaign elements, it always really starts with, or, or really actually a step before that, when you're building your marketing strategy, it starts with, you know, three three key ingredients. And okay. and in the first key ingredient's always got to be that stakeholder alignment. What are we actually seeking out to deliver for marketing? That's the, yep. sort of the bedrock, you know. It's something obviously I picked up on the time with Malcolm. Mm. Um, and just going on to sort of that, that, that strategy formation piece, I think also understanding what your business is capable of actually delivering is, is really key. And I'm not talking about doing a SWOT analysis or really just nailing the strengths and weaknesses, but having some really clear expectations or, or really clear understanding of how far your business can stretch, what it's able to do. Right. Also, also, you know, not just the strengths, but also the weaknesses. What are those things that are holding your business back to make sure that when you are rolling out campaign work or a strategy piece, um, you are really, really clear on um, on 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 what you're actually able to deliver, what your sales channels can fulfill and all that kind of stuff, what you can do a stock and, and, and all the rest. And the, and the third bit really for, for marketing strategy formations, you know, which is absolutely key, is just making sure it's grounded in, in data insights and, and actual market insights. I think um, I think most people will be surprised by how few marketing departments are operating off very few or very little insights and not really building strategies that make sense to actually what's what's the consumer perception of their brand or consumer demand or even the market opportunity for a particular product or service. Why, why is that? Why do you think they do that? I think we get caught up on that bit alone, you know, not 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 buying into what consumers share or what, what, or what consumers really want and kind of going on your own path and building to your capabilities 
building products and services based on your capability as opposed to what the customer is looking for. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we get really romantic about the ideas that you know Apple would never research this and they'd never spend the time. If they asked people what they want, they would have told them something different. All that kind of all those crazy kind of conversations, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. those one or two very very much outliers are these romantic notions that if you've got capability, you can build towards it. And it's good enough product, people will just buy it, or a good enough campaign, people will just you know visit your store more or, or whatever yeah, it yeah, is. And yeah. I think because of those outliers, we get really excited about not worrying too much about the market and just delivering to that capability because you know our organisations are so great and our capability is so fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also mentioned keeping close to the um, the capabilities of the business. You know how 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 they can fulfil stock levels or how they can you know deal with customer inquiries. So. I think that's something that often marketers don't do very well. So how have you done that in the past? How are some concrete examples of where you've done that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you look at, you look at, well, it's probably a, a really good marker for knowing where you shouldn't go. You know, mm. um, we get excited about, the sponsorship's a really good example of where people get really excited about things. And you see a lot of organisations sponsoring some really, really big properties out there, whether it's, you know, a desire to sponsor the All Blacks or a desire to sponsor the New Zealand cricket team. Yep. And it, and it becomes brand slapping because the capability of the organisation to actually deliver uh, a wraparound brand campaign or properly leverage a sponsorship properly is really lacking because they've they've invested up front a, a big chunk of cash, um, but they don't have anything left over to leverage because the mm. capability of the business isn't there to, to reinvest on top of that top yep. of that brand slapping. And you see a lot. I think go to go to any major sporting organisation's website and find out who their sponsors are, and you're always really really surprised to see who it is. All Blacks is a good example. I'm not going to name brands who sponsor them, but you know, go to that, go to their website, see who the commercial partners are, and you'd be you'd be amazed that this is the first time you're finding out who these people are because they're just they're not leveraging that sponsorship property. Because the number I was always taught was for every dollar of sponsorship, you spend a dollar on leverage at least. right? Yeah, well, I think I think it's more like three to one is probably a good right, ratio right, to work right. with. I remember we spoke to T-Mobile in the states a number of years ago, and they were doing oh, yeah. ten to one. You know, it wow. was it was pretty basic. Again, bigger right. market and it mm. you know, scales differently that way, but. Yeah, you, you've got to have a, a really good leverage kick there, and, and three to one's probably about right. So, how um, do you? So, so at, in your current role, how do you keep close to you know the business capabilities to make sure that you're delivering marketing activity that adds value rather than you know breaks the business? Yeah, I think um, I think it's, it's really key. I mean, for us in, our, in my current role, even having a broad or detailed understanding of 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 what your business is really good at, what your currency is. You know, we're 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 a, a local importer for two major global brands, and mm-hmm. lucky for us, those global brands are both British, right? So what, what it means is any marketing collateral, marketing content being sent down from head office is, is almost perfectly ready for our for our market, it's fine. So part of our understanding is, well, do we really need big creative agencies on, on, on retainers at all times? If the creative that we're getting from the global teams is so good and so sophisticated and, and so well-fitting for the purposes we've got here, mm. do, we need to, do we really need to roll out um, big agency retainers. So understand the capability of your organisation, what currency you have to leverage from the likes of you know, global teams or support partners, yep. as opposed to trying to recreate things, you know, yeah. sets you up to go, okay, well, if that's the case and you've got these great assets, well, why do we need creative strategy support when really we just need media strategy support? Yep. Yep. Um, and that's really the path we went down. You know, We went worked with a, our, um, our strategy agency, it's fantastic. It's a guy called Rufus Shooter um, and Chris Hadley. Um, together is their name, and um, it's really about making a partnership from a media perspective um, as opposed to um, big creative agencies. So that's the alignment of understanding your business capability, what you've already got in, in play, and, um, and and using that and aligning your um, your delivery of marketing and your additional support services accordingly. 
Let's, let's talk about agencies because um, there, there are lots of different kinds of agencies. They offer lots of different kinds of services, and I'm really interested in you working with, with Rufus and together because they've got a bit of a different sort of model. So can you just talk through, talk through the criteria, I suppose, that you had when looking for a partner um, and then talk about the way that you work with Rufus & Co.? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good question because it's a really interesting model, right? Um, we kind of, in a lot of ways, we wanted the best of both worlds. We wanted to um, to have a strategic partner who sat across everything we did, mm-hmm. but we also really wanted to have best of breed so we could deploy a really good DM agency, which we have with um, Likes Chemistry, a great PR agency, and we've got a special group at the moment in to do that. But mm-hmm. we kind of wanted a best of breed so we could handpick some of the some of the best talents from different agencies. Um, but to do that, we needed someone to help us coordinate all that thing, right? We're yep. a pretty lean, small marketing team, okay. um, quite intentionally. Um, and and that'll be fairly common in New Zealand. Yeah, of course, right? Like it's it's we don't we don't have you know outside the the major major brands, mm. we don't have big marketing teams floating yep. around really. Yep. Um, and so for us, it was about about trying to have the best of both worlds. We've got all these agency partners on board. We've got a strategic partner overseeing it, and really the model came together based specifically on our needs. Yeah, okay. And you know, when you go through the process with an agency who are building a support model for you that's specific to your requirements, mm. you get a pretty clear, pretty quick understanding that they get your business and they yes. know what you're trying to do and they get your marketing strategy. They understand what you're trying to roll out. Yeah. So when those things come together and you go through that process together, it feels really good. It yeah, feels yeah, like they, yeah. they totally understand. And so they've deployed effectively someone to sit inside our business who coordinates all agency partners together. Right. Um, and they gave it a really cool title. Um, because we're marketers, we can't help ourselves. Very important. Yeah, and the title is orchestrator, and it's Good. it's actually the only title that would work for that role. Good. And we've been lucky with really great uh, service. Um, so that's that 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 person's responsible for really tying up those elements together. And and Rufus and Chris really sit across the strategy for for what we're trying to do um, on an annual basis, mm. um, and the remunerations effectively through through um, media media budget media spend. So it's a very different, different very different um, setup, but it's it's about deploying an agency resource that's very specific to your requirements, yeah. as opposed to going into big creative agency situations or whole of service agencies and going, yeah, we'll take one of everything, thanks, and you're, mm. you're the one person who delivers the whole lot. Um, we, we 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 somewhat avoid the tension this way of having media or creative pushing yes. for the for the dollar to be spent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's again useful for the for the vast majority of our creative at the moment comes out of global, so it's great. So. So you and I have met before, and something I'm I'm quite interested to talk about with you is is the relation the agency relationships you've got you've had most of them over a long long period across different brands. Yeah. So I'm I'm keen to understand I suppose you know why and what value that adds to your business. So let's take let's take chemistry as an example. Yeah. So you work you've worked with those guys previously at Samsung, and you work with them here. So yeah. why um, is it important to a have a close relationship with an agency? And B, how have you nurtured that over the years? Yeah, I think it's it's that's um, it's a it's a good question. I think um, there's two two things agencies learn when they sort of are bought on board or bought into organisation. One is how the decision makers work, yep, <laughs> and the yep. other bit is how the business works, right? Yep. Um, among other things, of course. But those are really the two fundamentals: is, mm. is how what are the operating models for the individuals and also for the the great the wider business. I think working long term with people when you get used to their level of delivery. Yes. Um, they also understand how to work with you, and so there's no, there's none of that. What do we call that? Storming, <laughs> storming yeah, yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's gone, right? Just performing. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And so you jump to that. I mean, and, it, and together you're learning about you know the business you operate in. So I've been with chemistry for now, I think eleven years, twelve years, something like that. Wow. Um, and again, it's it's another part of that is just working with good people. You know, really nice human beings, and that's yeah. been a fundamental part of why 
not just we, we choose agency partners, but also why we stick with them for so long because, mm. you know, we love working with them. It makes us happy. Is that, and is that why, um, so a lot of the campaigns I mentioned in the intro, a lot of the campaigns and the work that you, and the brands you've worked on, you've delivered, you know, good sales results and, and, and strong marketing results, but also there've been some quite interesting creative executions and you've won some creative awards along the way. Is that part of the reason, those, those close relationships with agencies? Yeah, I think so. I think when you're, when you're building a, campaign together but you've also built part of, a big part of the strategy together mm. you don't have that sort of strategic misfire or you don't divert from the path of actually what your core job is yeah, yeah, yeah. because you've, you've engaged them earlier in the process you know there's no so issue with trust or, or worrying about under or oversharing it's you've got everything there and 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 so then when you build these campaigns together uh, and when you're looking for either creative execution that's really really tight or, or some really deep insights around it. You've been on that sort of journey together the whole way through. So when it comes right. to actually laying that down, it's sort of it's it's there and it's ready to go. Yeah, I think it's also you've been working for so long with each other. You can you can call each other out on things. Mm. You know, if mm. I'm getting too far down a path, like Joseph Silk would just say to me, "You're talking crap," or you, "You've gone yeah, too far yeah, down that path, yeah, or that yeah. doesn't make sense," and pull you back in. And it goes back to some of those fundamentals, right? You know, we we talk about it a fair bit at our end about not letting marketing get in the way of sales. We talk about that a lot at the moment. Um, and a big part of that is, you know, just making sure that if you've got something to sell, you don't have a big creative idea that gets in the way of actually trying to connect that sale. Yep. Even down to basic things like, let them click the buy now button, it's fine. You don't have to go through this complicated process of, yeah, of yeah, convert yeah. and nurture and all the rest of it yep. if, if you don't need it. Um, so it's about, yeah, making sure that for us, we are, we are certainly... Um, making it easier for our audience to, to connect the dots in the campaign work. And that comes from us challenging ourselves through that process of, of briefing and, and, and rebriefing or briefing and, and, and um, honing the details. And even this, the start bit of, you know, what are the what are the audience insights that we've got and how mm. do we build the, those insights and how do we build that research deck? And even how do we how do we get together on the, at the questionnaire stage? When I mean, you've worked for, with, together with people for a long period of time, you, you kind of open book with them, right? You trust them to get involved in early stage and yeah. and, and 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 have some value or input their value really early in the in the process. What, what about when it doesn't work? So have you have you got um, can you can you think of a a piece of activity that that went wrong or didn't work? And I'm and I'm keen to understand not so much why it didn't work, but then what your approach was with your agency partners after that. How you sort of followed up from there? Because that can often be the make and break of a relationship, right? When you know there's 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 not that trust um, in being able to experiment. Yeah, yeah, I think um, we all, we, I mean, we all have little failures along the way, mm. right? Even small, medium and large campaigns, they can, they can fire or they can not. Mm -hmm. I think um, I think it's pretty clear when you have those open relationships, everyone, it feels, that actually the hard thing when, when you have those things happen, when you've got really great agency relationships, everyone puts up their hand and says, sorry, this is the bit I got wrong. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's trying to dissect what those, those problems are. Yeah. But I think, um, I think it's kind of part of the solution too, right? Everyone sits down and goes, you know, this didn't fire for, for whatever reason, and we, we kind of call those things out, you know. Um, and when we say it didn't fire, we look at the results and go, okay, what, what happened here? Yes. I think when we get really siloed and we have a we have just one team working on it, you know, mm. and the, the whole business model that we've got or the whole marketing plan model we've got is everyone's inputting all, of this, all at the same stages really early in the conversation. And I think when it doesn't doesn't fire properly, it's when one of our agency partners goes and is a little bit siloed and executes down one path right. without engaging the rest of the rest of the wider team. Yeah, and, that, okay. and that's when we really sit down and go, you know, guys, our whole model is about engaging everyone else all together at the same time. Mm. You go off and start running down a particular path without the rest of us there, it's going to be really difficult. And that's when we have the biggest failures. That's when we find that. 
again, it comes back to a bit of a challenge with that model we've got though, right? Like if you've got a whole service agency, you know, that's fewer of those opportunities or fewer of those opportunities for errors or mistakes come up. Yes. But for us, it's about, you know, making sure we do a bit of bit harder work to bring everyone together at the early stages. But it is a, it is a, it is a good model so far, you know, and, it's, and it's, it is really, really different. Um, but I think having um, agency partners more strategic and, and more top of funnel is probably mm. the future for a lot of um, smaller marketing, marketing teams and marketing organisations. And why is that? I think it just allows them to be leaner. I think, you know, um, a big part of what we're noticing now is um, there's a lot more variability in the market than there probably has ever been. And I don't think just, you know, because of last year, there's been a, a lot more variability. And so I think um, marketing departments like mine are looking to be more variable cost approach than, mm. than fixed cost. Yes. And the great thing about variable cost is when you've got stock issues or supply issues or, or demand issues for whatever reason, your marketing team's able to turn things on and off relatively quickly or move things from top to middle of funnel. Yep. And with a strategic partner and, and less fixed costs, you can do that far easily or it's at least possible to do it so you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. And I think the added benefit of that, and marketers starting to realise this too, is if marketing is a variable cost as opposed to big chunky fixed costs on long-term retainers, you're seen as an investment, not a cost centre. And that's, that's hugely important. That's the, the fundamentals, I think, of, of marketing. And so modern marketers are seeing the opportunity to be part of their business's variable cost, contribute to, 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 to sales results by being an investment as opposed to being this big chunky cost centre that sits over here and it's, and it's, um, it's always there and, and it's a... It's a, it's a it's a, it's a grudge invoice for yeah, the finance yeah, yeah. team every time. Yeah, I, I've, I, I found, um, I, w- I always get personally offended when I see marketing appearing and P&L as an overhead, and you go, well, no, it's a it's a cost of goods sold. So yeah. the more you do, the more you sell. Yeah, it's I mean, done right. <laughs> yeah, well, on that on that uh, particular ledger, it's, it's always going to appear that way, but it's the marketer's job, and if they're a good communicator and if they're not, you're in trouble anyway, Yeah, because uh, that's what we are meant to be doing. But if you're a good communicator, you find opportunities to communicate that this variable cost approach is really about being an investment and not being an expense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's think about the, the, the if you chose a single achievement that you were proudest of in your whole career, what would it be? I think, um, I think the, for me, the thing I'm really proud of is, is when the process is right and we go through that process of total alignment before we go into a, a marketing strategy or a marketing campaign or whatever that is. Internally across the organisation. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, there, there's, there's many reasons why that's the case, but it, the, the great thing is when you're going into a you're launch a marketing campaign mm, mm. and you are filled with absolute confidence that it's going to be fine because all your agency partners are on board, they know their roles really clearly, but also your CEO is bought into this. Your, your your chief operating officers bought into this. Your finance team know all about it. They they're engaged as well, and they've all agreed. Yes, this is the way to go forward. And and the more frequently that happens, the more success you have with campaigns in terms of their outcome. Mm. I'm not saying that you know if they don't fire, you can go, hey, well guys, we all signed up to this because really you are yeah, yeah, you yeah. it is your campaign totally. if it failed. But I think when you go into those campaigns with absolute alignment and your business is bought into the idea, it's something to be really proud of. And the outcomes are better too because. You spend more time selling it in, you get more questions back, you get more pushback, you have to refine the idea, mm. you have to refine the insights, you have to make sure you're applying the right ones. And that's when I'm really proud of a bit of work when we're going out to market and, and, and you hear other people in the organisation talking about it, this is going to be really good yeah. and, yeah. and get excited yeah. about it. And, it's, and it feels more like you've engaged a, a wider team, whether it's your wider marketing agency resource team or your, your internal team who go, all right, let's do this, this is cool. So, so how do you go about um, 
getting that buy-in from your internal team? Because it's usually relatively easy to get buy-in from agencies because you know we're all excited and we're doing something new and it's really cool. Internally, slightly different, and people yeah. have different pressures and different focuses. So, how do you, as a marketer, go about? I suppose you know appealing to different types of stakeholders across relatively complex organisations. Yeah, I think it's, it comes back to marketing fundamentals. We're communicators, but we're we're also you know scientific in our approach, or at least we should be as marketers. Mm. So it's about knowing your audience and knowing your internal audience, right? So making sure that you're really clear on what kind of messaging or languaging will work for them to get them on board with a particular idea. So when I first started at Cordia, um, we had this great CEO, great leader, his name was Jeff Hunt. He, um, he He's an engineer by trade. So okay. as a marketer, engineers and marketers traditionally live in different universes, yeah. Um, yeah. but less so these days. Um, so for Jeff, it was all about hard data, right? So give me some data, make sure you've, you, you, you make a really clear, structured, logical argument, get mm. me from a, point A to point B, mm. knowing your audience and knowing to sell into him really clearly worked. Yes. But also you know, being able to understand when you're talking to the finance team, you're selling in an idea, or even just engaging your finance team, making sure you can speak the same language to them as well. So it's about knowing your, your, your audience and then adjusting your message internally to really motivate them and get them on that journey. It's a pretty, again, a pretty broad way to approach it, but mm. but really that's it. Let's let's supply our our external marketing skill set to an internal audience. Yep. Understand that audience and deliver a message really clearly to, to bring them on the on the on the path. And for the for the most part, everyone should everyone should respond well to data and insights. And if you've got the data and insights to start, which are the fundamentals of your marketing strategy, mm. then you can deliver. You can you can really deliver a, a clear logical argument to support what you what you're trying to do at all times. Okay, so, so we've so we've spoken about a lot about working, you know, across big companies. You also um, have done a bit of consultancy in the past with smaller businesses. So um, let's talk about, I suppose, some of the differences when it comes to marketing between big organisations and small ones. What you know, what do what does each know that the other doesn't? Yeah, I think um, I think I've, I've always I've always got learnt a lot from small smaller organisations and, and, and big roles, which has been really cool. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a few examples I'll talk about, but I think for for smaller organisations, they there's a there's a, a few bits missing at times, um, and and the missing bits are really um, the strategy as to what marketing is going to do to support my organisation. And so, when I've talked to other small organisations and helped them, it's all really mostly about setting up the strategies to say this is marketing's job, okay. this is why marketing has a role to fulfil. Right. I think. Small organisations, understandably, get really executionally focused, mm, mm. and so they're pumping out campaign work yes. at, at all times. Yep. Um, and and it makes sense, right, to be highly tactical if you're you know need to be agile, you need to be keep moving. Yep. But I think small organisations in particular can learn a little bit more about investing in marketing activity that that works for the short, medium, and long term. Big organisations do that really well, right? Yeah. In a really crude level, brand activity sells products tomorrow retail sales products today. Mm-hmm. But I think small organisations can probably learn or at least stop and think about what's going to make me sales today, what's going to make me sales in the medium term and what's going to make sales in the longer term and then adjusting and understanding how they prioritise their, their marketing budget and their marketing activities accordingly for those for those three years. I think what all bigger organisations can learn from, from the smaller ones is just keeping their messaging simple. We get so carried away with these big brand ideas, you know, and... And I think we see the difference um, between brands that get really carried away with their story and their brand, 
yes, their, their brand framework, they're going to then deliver subsequent activities off it. The brand the brand story to set the whole thing up often doesn't make sense or is really, really confusing to the audience. I think a big brand who does, to, who does avoid that does it really well is ASB. Yeah, they've got a really great brand architecture, consistency of things like colours and themes and all the rest of it. But also they always pull back to very specific products. <laughs> services, yeah. rates, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. they push in that direction quite clearly. I was, I was actually going to talk about ASB from a different point of view. That One of the things I want to talk about is how marketers often get quite bored with their own marketing before consumers do. And, and so if you look at ASB, they've gone back to one step ahead, which is a great line. But in between this one step ahead and the last one step ahead, there were umpteen different positionings. What do you think um, they should think about? Not not ASB, but what should marketers think about when it when it comes to should they change up their strategy, their messaging, their their framework, their whatever? Yeah, I, I, it's really important, right? Because marketers get bored all the time and change things, or a new marketer comes and changes something because they feel like they have to. Yeah, I think what's really important to remember is your audience just doesn't care, <laughs> doesn't care enough. So, the consistency and same simple cues are going to be so important for a customer to, mm. or for a, for a market to really understand that it's you. You're saying this thing from this voice, and that's what you stand for. Yeah, and just because you've seen it every day for a week, it, or two years, doesn't doesn't really mean anything. It's 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 that that consistency that's just so important. And we hear stories all the time about brands going these big big evolutions or all these big changes and what the brand stands for. It's just so, so critical that it's a common, consistent theme or thread or delivery at all times because I think, yeah, it's, it's a big problem. You know, marketers get bored of, of their own message and try and do new, different things all the time. Um, I think one of the reasons, you know, the, the Jaguar and the Land Rover brands are so strong is because they've been consistent throughout throughout history. You know, they, 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 they people know what they get and they... they yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we have these conversations all the time about where we should push the brand locally and where it can go. And and to a large extent, there's going to be a big chunk of our market, the audience, that, that we won't change that brand perception over two or three years to. Yes. Some we will, you know, we'll get yep. into different areas. You see Jag changing significantly, mm. probably more so than it ever has. But again, that's, that's largely guided by the kind of product we have too, um, mm. suiting different audiences. Yeah. But I think... Um, so long as we realise as marketers we're custodians of the brand for a very short period of time and in, in, in parts of the world like New Zealand, you know, we're custodians of a giant brand but we're based in the bottom of the South Pacific, you know, and be realistic about that and about how much we can actually do to shift that brand perception. Mm. There's mm. certainly things we can do and certainly things we are doing and trying to do but really those those big brands, you know, we're, we're trading on the, the 75 years that have gone ahead of us. Absolutely right. And we're super yeah. proud to be part of them for, for this period of time in this small market um, but not losing context or perception of what that actually can do and can deliver is, is really important, not getting too carried away. It's almost treating yourself as a, as a guardian of that brand rather than the owner of it, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a privilege to be involved in, in these brands, mm. right? So it's making sure that, yeah, it's better, better than how we left it, but also our tenure is long enough, which is important, but also um, uh, structured enough to, to give the brand some, some life during our stay and also some direction for when we leave is really, really, really important, I think. And tenure is also important because with you know when you when you have turnover of CMOs, you have turnover of agencies, that often leads to the changes in creative approach, which consumers will find confusing. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I've been really lucky in, in, in my role coming in, especially in the Land Rover side of it. Just so much great work was done before before I got there, um, and the the marketer before me um, had set up some really really great campaigns, um, but also some really good properties. You know, Land Rover First Fifteen Rugby is a great example of what he mm -hmm. set up before I before I got there, 
and to be able to recognise that the guy before you isn't a threat to you, but he's actually done a whole hell of a lot of work that you can leverage and you can you can you can take to the next step. Is um, I think it's really important. So you talk that's James McKee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's now commercial manager at Auckland Rugby. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the, 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 there's a common thread, right? Um, James guess, really enjoys his environments, but but that's why he was he was um, potentially a big part of why James was set up um, the Land Rover First Fifteen rugby sponsorship probably mm. so well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so when I got there, he was he had already set something up for me quite brilliantly, so I could just take it from there, which is great. Yeah, brilliant. Luke, this has been a really good discussion. Thank you. Um, to end our time today, I'm going to ask you one more question. And the last question is, if you had to give a single piece of advice to our listeners that they could take away in action tomorrow morning, what would it be? Um, it's, it's, it's kind of easy um, a philosophy for me, but, but if, you, if you don't, do what you love, right? Always make sure that you're gravitating towards things you find interesting, um, brands you think you're going to have a lot of a good time with, things that you're going to enjoy tuning up for every day, and, and because of that you give, you give your best effort. Um, but the single bit of advice really is if you don't like it, just don't do it. Go somewhere else. There's, there's some fantastic marketing opportunities out there. Make sure their role, make sure the environment that you're in is living up to the expectations you have on, on what you want your career to be. But also just, you know, every day trying to enjoy it. And when that enjoyment runs out, it's, it's time to move on. Or if the enjoyment's never there, move on immediately. Awesome. Thanks, Luke. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.